Welcome to the Epiphany Movement Podcast. To learn more about the Epiphany Movement, visit us online at epiphanymovement.com. Thank you for tuning in, and we hope you enjoyed today's talk from Pastor Drake Nelson. When I, this is Paul writing, when I came to the city of Troas, God opened a door for me to preach the good news of Christ, the Lord. But I had no peace of mind because my dear brother Titus had not yet arrived with a report from you. So I said goodbye to Troas. And I went to Macedonia to find him. Let's pray. God, thank you for everything that you've given us. Thank you for letting us be here today. I pray that you would open our minds and I pray that you would open our hearts. I pray for everyone listening. I pray that you would give them insight. And I ask that you would just pray for me, that God would use me, speak through me. I may be helpful for you. God, we pray all these things in your name. Amen and amen. Thank you, Miss Melanie. Well, when I was a child, I was probably no more than six or seven years old. My mother used to always take me to the grocery store. And her favorite place to shop was Walmart. Now, I was accustomed to Ramey's, but she preferred Walmart for some reason. Well, she would sit me in the car, and at the time, she would say, Okay, son, or she would call me, Okay, sweetheart, I'll be back in five minutes. And I was too young at the time to know that that my mom's five minutes was 35 minutes. So I remember, I don't know how old I was. I was six or seven. I was sitting right there in, uh, in the car. Mom, if you're watching this, I love you. I'm sorry for the story I'm about to share. But she would go in, and I would watch the clock pass by five minutes, and I would watch another 10 minutes go by, and eventually 15 minutes rolls by. And after about 20 minutes, what is little Drake thinking? The worst has happened. Mom has been robbed in there. Somebody has come in with a machine gun and hold mom captive. She's probably decapitated or something. I got to go right now to, 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 and save my mom. So I unlock the door. I walk in, and they had unlocking doors. They had sliding doors in Walmart. They didn't have these in Ramey's at the time, but they had them at Walmart. So I stroll in like I, like I own the place. I don't know what I was going to do. I guess I was going to go in there and try to, like, maybe rent a tricycle or something and just ride her out on the back. And I genuinely had no idea. But when I walked in, Walmart was so much bigger than I thought, you know, as however, however I wanted. I was like, I'm never going to find her in this place. But I was happy that I didn't hear any gunshots or no screaming. So I walked around Walmart, maybe 10, 15 minutes. I really don't know how long. But I walked around, and, and I couldn't find my mom. But occasionally I would hear somebody come over the intercom, and they would say something like, you know, Customer assistance needed up front at checkout. <laughs> Customer assistance needed back in electronics. <laughs> well, eventually I heard Drake Nelson. <laughs> if you're in here, <laughs> come to the front. <laughs> heard it again. Drake Nelson. <laughs> if you're in here, your mother is looking for you. <laughs> 
I didn't know where the front was or what to do, but I can just remember running down the hallway saying, or not the hallway, but the little thing, I'm Drake Nelson, I'm Drake Nelson, I don't, I'm Drake Nelson. And finally I get to the door, and this lady pulls me aside. She says, your mom is looking for you. So she brings me to my mom, and I finally see mom, and her face, she was crying, but like there was an instant relief there. <laughs> an instant relief there, and then it wasn't relief anymore. It's like something else, you know. I, I, the meanwhile, Miss Lisa, I'm thinking I'm the hero in this story because my, she said she was going to be gone five minutes. It's been 35 minutes. I thought I'd say the day. I was like, you're alive. You're not robbed or anything. Uh, you didn't. I didn't have to carry you out here on my tricycle. We're all good. So we're walking back to the car, and when we get in the car, my mom just starts to bawling, crying, and she's like, kind of like doing the whole, like, she's crying, but she's mad at the same time, so she's like, Drake, you should have never done that, but, I, but then I start bawling, crying, and say, you said five minutes, and it's been 15, and I just thought I was going to get you, I, I don't know, and, and I always thought the very worst thing, I, I was like, oh man, I was freaking out, and that's exactly what Paul is saying in this letter, that's exactly where Paul is finding himself. He's saying, God opened a door for me at Troas. I walked through the door. I started in ministry. And as I was in the ministry, my mind was back at, 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 in, 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 in Corinth because Titus had not yet come. And it's been five weeks. And it's been 10 weeks. And it's been 15 weeks. And now I'm worried about Titus. And so I did not have a peace of mind. So what did Paul do? He says goodbye to the open opportunity, the open door, and he goes back to check on Titus because he says, I got to go check on my main man, Titus. The worst case scenario is popping into his mind. Same place. Now in seminary, they used to teach us this, Abby. They would say, a text without a context is a pretext to make whatever the text say whatever you want it to mean. But they wouldn't even say it that cool, Mr. Donnie. They'd be like, <clears throat> that's why I wore my tie this morning, just for this analogy. Well, a text without a context is a pretext to make the text say whatever you really want it to mean. Uh, what does that even mean? I really don't even know, but I paid $50,000 to learn it. So there's that. Here's what I think that it means. Here's really what I think it means. It's good to read a verse. It's good to read a verse. It's good to read verses like Mr. Matt did this morning. But it's better to read a chapter. It's better, instead of taking two or three verses maybe in a devotional, that's good, but it's better to take a chapter. And still yet better than that, do y'all think this is true? Think, like not if you think this is true. It's better to take a chapter, but I think it's even better than that to take an entire book and to read it all the way through. So it may take an hour and a half to read First Corinthians, but it's better Verse is good, verses are good, devotional is good, better to read a chapter, even yet better still to read a book. And I think there's some wisdom in that because you get the whole thing in context. And so this morning, here's what I want to do, all right? I want to go back, I want to tell y'all the context of what this is in, and after I give you the context, then I want to deliver the point. Paul, a door had been opened by the Lord, had no peace of mind, went back, to, went back to Corinth to find his main man, Titus. That's going to be the point. But 
before I before you can understand, I have to lay some foundation of the context. And so here's what I want to say. Here's what I want to say. Who thought Paul was written? I mean, Corinthians was written by Paul. Raise your hand. It's not a trick question. It, I mean, First Corinthians is First Corinthians written by Paul. Raise your hand. Okay, okay. It's not a trick question. Um, it was written by Paul. Go to First Corinthians chapter one. First Corinthians chapter one, verse one, actually. This letter, it says, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, this letter is from who? Okay, there we go. It's from Paul, chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Jesus Christ. And, and, what is the and doing in there? And from our brother Sostens. So did you know that Paul, 1 Corinthians was not only written by Paul, but it was also written by a dude named Sostens? Blow your mind. Now, Scripture tells us a lot about Paul. Well, at least a good bit, a fair amount about Paul. But you know how much it tells us about Sostens? Absolutely. We don't know anything about Sostens. Absolutely. We don't know anything about this guy. But Paul, he would go on these missionary journeys. And as he would go on these missionary journeys, he was from where? Paul from? Paul from? from Tarsus. Yeah, very good. And so this is where Paul was from. So that was where he would base at. He would go up and go to a place like Ephesus, where he would write what? Ephesians. And then he would go over to Philippi, where in Acts 16 he went to jail and he got beat and there was an earthquake and it came to rescue him. But in, in that jail, he would write in Philippi the book Philippians, very good. And then from Philippi, he would go over and he would go to Galatia. And where, what, would, what would he write in Galatia? Galatians. And then finally, he would scooch on down and go to a city like Corinth, where he would write what? Corinthians, very good. But Corinth was the third largest city of that time. It was a huge city, not in landmass, but in population. In fact, it was only behind Rome itself and Alexandria. Alexandria. And then it was Corinth. And the fourth largest city would have been, would have been it starts with the A and it's in Georgia. Athens, very good. But Athens was about four, some say even five times smaller than Corinth. And so these were really the big three when it came to cities. These cities would have been massive. And it was an important city. But why was it an important city? Now, I want you to raise your hand and answer this question, okay? So just raise your hand. I'll call on you. Why was Corinth an important city? Why was it an important city? Anybody know? It was a port city. There you go. Very good. Corinth was right in between two huge seas. And so if you wanted to go east or you wanted to sail west or if you wanted to go north to Greece, guess where you had to come into? You had to come into Corinth. Now, there was something strange about Corinth because back in those times, just like in our days, guess what they had? If you wasn't a great athlete, guess where, guess where, guess where you would go? Michael Phelps won 27 medals where? 
the Olympics. Yes, exactly. They would have all, yeah, uh, water. Yeah, he did. He did that too. So they would have all their Olympics back in those times. Did they have it in Tokyo? No. They had it where? In Olympus. They would have these every four years. But Corinth, every single year, would have their own Olympics games. And it was known as the, I got it written down, I forgot how to pronounce this. It was known as the Ismian Games. Every year they'd have the Ismian Games. And as they would have the Ismian Games, tons of people would come from all over the world. They could not play because only Corinthians could play. But everybody would come to watch. It would almost be like, um... It would almost be like, let's say New Orleans, okay? Take New Orleans for an example. The New Orleans Saints, right? And as you have the New Orleans Saints, you have a tons of people going to New Orleans, but you have people coming from Mississippi, from Louisiana, maybe even from Alabama, some from Texas, possibly even. Why? Coming all into one city to watch the game. The exact same thing would have been happening there. And so as all these people came into Corinth to watch the, the Ismian games, perhaps watching athletes to run or to wrestle or to hurl a disc or something like that, guess where they needed to stay? They needed to have something to sleep in. What would they sleep in? Do you know? A tent. Only if they knew a good tent maker. Wait, I think I know a good tent maker. Paul. Paul was a tent maker. That's how he made his living. And he stayed in Corinth for a year and a half. So we know that at least one time in his life, he got to witness the Ismian Games. And they would have a crown made of celery. They actually had a crown. They would put celery in it. And that would be the crown. They would also get money and prizes and get to go qualify for at Olympus as well. So there was more benefits than that. But could you imagine a celery crown? And as they would go to walk, this possible now, this possibly could be where Paul met who? Two other tent makers in the Bible. Priscilla and Aquila, some amazing tent makers themselves. Now get this, get this, okay? As Paul came into Corinth, he stayed there. He stayed for a year and about six months living and teaching. Now, why would he stay this long, Cat? Well, he would stay this long because back in their, those days, they didn't have a Bible like we have, so they couldn't just like pick it up and read it. They would have to be taught, and they would be taught by none other than who? By Paul. And Paul actually made two great disciples, Priscilla and Aquila. And after the year and a half, they became the leaders of the church. And so after a year and a half, they was like, okay, bye. Now Paul goes and he leaves. Where does Paul go? He goes straight from Corinth and goes up to Ephesus. And he spends some time in Ephesus. And then he goes probably, we don't know this, but we think that he went back to his home, which was where? Paul of Tarsus, very good, yes, Paul of Tarsus. So we think that he's back home when he gets word from someone. He gets word from a young lady whose name is Chloe. And it says, this is what Scripture says, I got word from Chloe's household about some disturbing things that was going back on in the church of Corinth. Now it had been two years since his, he left 
Corinth. So really three and a half years since he first got there, stayed there a year and a half, he left, now he's back home. It's been two years since he's seen these people, and he gets word. He's like, there's some disturbing things going on. So just like any good reporter, guess what he had to do? He had to see if this was factual. So he digs around a little bit and discovers, hey, I really do think this is factual. So he writes a letter back to the Corinthians, and do you know what this letter is called? No. I gotcha. Ha. Gotcha. It's actually called the letter, well, in Paul's exact terms, the tearful letter. The tearful letter. Paul references this a couple times in the book of 1 Corinthians. And he writes them back. And he, he's like, man, I'm sorry I have to tell you this, but look, y'all got to wake up. Y'all got to start doing better. And the Corinthians write him, Paul, back. And as they write him back, that is they ask a bunch of questions like, how should we live? What should we do? How should we act? All these questions that they ask to Paul. So Paul gets their letter. Now he writes another letter back, which is called what? 1 Corinthians, yes, it's not a trick question, 1 Corinthians. And in that, he has four main topics that he wants to talk about. He says, I hear there's factions, I hear there's sexual immorality, I hear you're doing the Lord's Supper all wrong, and I hear you don't believe in the resurrection of Jesus. And so he spends the whole book writing about these things. And everybody, well, not everybody, but, but tradition has it that who did he send 1 Corinthians back with? He gave 1 Corinthians to who? The guy that we just read about. His name starts with a T. Timothy, no. Titus. Titus. And he says, okay, Titus, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go straight back to the Corinthians and give them my letter. So he goes back, and then as he is going, a door opens for him and to do ministry. Where at? In Troas. And so he begins to do ministry in Troas while Titus is on his journey to the Corinthian, to the, to Corinth, to the Corinthian church to drop off 1 Corinthians. Now here's where it gets crazy. Do y'all remember how Paul says that I had a thorn in my side? Do y'all remember reading that in your Bible? And he prays. He's like, God, get this thorn in my side. And the Lord responds, your, my strength is made perfect in what? In your weakness. Let me read that. Let me say that again because that, that may hit home for somebody. Lord, the Lord tells Paul, my strength is made perfect, not better, perfect in what? In your weakness. And a lot of people think that that thorn in the side was, do y'all know this already? Was, does anybody have an idea? It, was, it has to do with his, his eyes. They thought that Paul would have had really bad eyesight. And we think this, or people think this, because it, when he writes in the original manuscripts, uh, it would be like very, very tiny. He would write very, very tiny. But Paul would actually say, this is in my own handwriting. And Paul would write. But when he wrote, he would write huge. Why? Maybe because he couldn't see. And so as he would write real big, if you look at the manuscripts, you can actually see where it's really tiny. And then Paul says, this is in my own handwriting. I like you or something. I love you or something like that. He would write really big. 
Not only that, but what's this Sostens guy doing in here? A lot of people think that people like this would have been the actual scribes that would have written down what Paul would have written. And so Paul, to write this letter to 1 Corinthians, would have sat down with Sostens. He would have told them everything that he wanted to write down and that the scribe would write down because Paul couldn't see that good. He's, he tells us that much in, in Ephesians and in Romans because Paul did not write either one of those letters. He just simply spoke it to a scribe who wrote it down and then sent it off. Does that make a little bit of sense? That's why people think that he had bad eyesight. But, 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 I think, I think, I think this is a good possibility anyways, that it may not have been his eyesight, it may have been his speech. Because everywhere Paul went, they would say, you know, you write some really good books, but you're not a very good speaker. Levi Lesko. Levi Lesko is an amazing author, not a very good speaker. Not, not as good as he is an author. He's good. Paul, same way. They would say, you're not a very good speaker, bro. Maybe he had a stuttering problem. Maybe he just couldn't get his words out. But he was an excellent writer. And everywhere he went, hey, you, you, you write his letters, very good. But preaching, bro, you're, you're not that good at this. Not only that, but guess what? After the two years that Paul would have left, who would have come back? Who would have come through there in those two years? Mr. Matt, you read it this morning. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Who else came? A guy by the name, it starts with an A. Apollos, Apollos. Now Apollos comes down, and Apollos is in Corinth. And as Apollos comes down to Corinth, he begins to speak. But Apollos is an eloquent speaker. He speaks very well. Not only that, but there was a temple in Corinth, and it was called Apollos Temple. This was for the Greek god Apollos. This was a huge temple, and there was there was some 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 some. Uh, some sexual immorality that was going on within the temple. And people would come from a long ways away just to come to the temple to participate in all the male and female prostitutes, and then they would leave. So this is the culture that that Paul is trying to, to write to. And Apollos comes in, and guess where Apollos is from? Is he from a little wee little town? No, he is from Alexandria. The Bible tells us this. He is from Alexandria. So Apollos, being from Alexandria, the bigger city, and he's a really good speaker, and hello, he's named after our God. This dude is amazing. And so as as Apollos comes down, and after Paul had already left, Apollos begins to teach and preach. Right after Apollos comes, then Peter comes down. Peter being one of the disciples of Jesus in his inner three. Maybe he's even favorite one. Now you have a Peter, a Peter and a well-spoken Apollos. And do you know what the church decides to do at this moment? Guess what they decide to do with Paul? They decide to say, we are done with you. We are done with Paul. We don't think that he's an apostle. We don't think that he's a good speaker. He doesn't even know what he's talking about. He's trying to correct us on all these things. We are done with Paul. And this is what came back. And so 
now Paul is writing and he knows that this isn't going to be a good letter. It's going to be hard to tell somebody that hey, you need to straighten up, but he does it anyway. And he just does get the letter sent. And he really is a little bit sad that he's sending the letter and he's a little bit wishy-washy because he said, I wanted to send it, but then I didn't want to send it, but I wanted to send it. So I sent it anyway and I gave it to Titus and I knew all you Corinthians didn't like me and I knew you turned your back on me and I knew you didn't love me anymore and I knew you thought Apollos was so much better than I was and I knew you thought Peter was so much better than I was but I was sending Titus anyways and as you sent Titus into this extremely compromised situation guess what happened in the meantime God opened a door and now Paul goes into an open door but guess what his body is in Troas but where is his mind his mind is in Corinth his mind is in Corinth. And so guys, girls, ladies, gentlemen, do y'all know what he decides to do? He decides to forget about the offenses so that he can walk into ministry. He said, I'm going to get over the offenses so that I can walk into ministry. And we must do the same. A church who had just completely, people who had completely ridiculed Paul, marked him out after he'd given him his whole life, a year and a half. He says, we don't want nothing to do with you. And so he leaves. And we don't know what happens. Five chapters go by. We still have no idea what happens. And then five chapters later, in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, turn with me there. Here's what it concludes by saying. It says this, 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 5. When we arrived in Macedonia, what is Macedonia? Macedonia is the big place, and then Corinth would be like, it would be like Corinth, Galilee, uh, Ephesus, Galatia, Galatia, like all these other places. It would be like saying United States and Mississippi, Georgia, Alabama, it's all within. United States. That's what it's saying right there. Okay? So as we arrive back in Macedonia, chapter 7, verse 5, there was no rest for us. Why? Because we face conflict from every direction with battles on the outside and fear on the inside. We have a map up here. And on the map, you can see Troas. Troas is at the very top in the middle, right to the left of Asia. Do you see it? Do you see it? Troas. I wish I had a pointer. Uh, I'm not tall. There's Troas. Corinth is like... Now, what's in between Troas and Corinth? Do you see how it's a sea? And his body's in Troas, but his mind is in Corinth. And this, this reminds me of my own mind. How my body can be somewhere, but my mind be completely in a different place. Completely in a different place. And Paul's saying, I had an open door, but I didn't have a peace of mind. I didn't have a clear mind. And what is he saying? He says, we face battles from the outside. But guess what's always worse, y'all? Isn't it the fear on the inside? That is even worse. The fear on the inside. That is even worse. But what happened? What happened in this story? But God. Someone 
Someone repeat that. But God. But God. But God, who encourages those who are discouraged, encouraged us, how? By the arrival of Titus. Verse 7, his presence was a joy. But so was the news that he brought of the encouragement he received from you when he told us how much you longed to see me and how sorry you are for what happened and how loyal you are to me. I was filled with joy. And so, yes, in Paul's mind, there was fear. There was someone came against him, but he overrode his fear and he walked straight into Corinth and said, I forgive this whole city. City, I forgive you. I forgive you. I may need to forgive Priscilla and Aquila, but whoever I need to forgive, I'm going to forgive it. Why? So that I can dig underneath and do the ministry. And that is where we are in our life. We are afraid. We have people that have come against us. But if we are able to, if we can rise above it and become Jesus followers, we will say, you know what? We will forgive so that we can walk right into the ministry. We will rise over fear and walk straight into certain uncertainty. And we will say, we have a God who is bigger. I've told you the context. I've tried to deliver the point. And it's all for naught. It's all for naught. If you don't live it out. If you don't live it out. To be able to offer forgiveness. To be able to walk through an open door. To not have peace of mind and to say, you know what? I'm going to rise over the fear. I'm going to walk through forgiveness. I'm going to watch ministry happen every single day. Because people don't care what you believe. You all are brilliant. You are brilliant, much smarter than me. I try to dress smart. But if you don't live it out, your wisdom is nothing. Your wisdom is nothing. So let's forgive. Let's walk. Let's live as followers of Christ. Now, let's pray. God, thank you for everything that you've given us. Thank you for letting us be here today. God, we love you. We thank you for this opportunity just to be able to to gather and to, to learn. But God, more than to learn, maybe even to live, to live for you in the best ways that we know how. God, we pray for everyone here. We pray that if anybody is here that needs to maybe take that next step and give their life to you, um, I know you spoke to Kat about this last night. And so if that is anyone in here, we, we, we pray that you would put that on their heart, that you would lead them here. In your name I pray, amen and amen.